Hi, and welcome to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. My name is Ruth Haley Barton, and I'm founder of the Transforming Center, and I'm here with Steve Weens, Senior Pastor of Genesis Covenant Church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. Steve is also a Transforming Community alumni, which means we've spent a lot of time laughing, growing, and being transformed in the presence of Christ in community with other leaders. Ruth, we are at episode nine. It's called Go, Discerning and Doing God's Will Together. So the spiritual community has gathered, it has prepared, and now we're ready to address the question at hand for discernment. And so now we get to a really important topic. What does listening well look like? Well, let's go. I love our metaphor. I want to go back to it, that we've got our sails up, yep, right? Yep. So now hopefully the wind is blowing. Mm-hmm. And first of all, I want to mention that the person who sets the agenda becomes an important person. Mm. in this mix now because if we're going to listen and a good portion of the discernment process has to do with listening to god to ourselves and to each other so that means the agenda needs to be set for listening so one of the most hidden things i do in the transforming center here is one of the most important things i do which is setting the agendas for our board meetings so that we can discern and do the will of god together and so what that means is that the agenda needs to be set with enough time to do the listening between, you know, people, to have some quiet time for listening within ourselves and listening to God within us. And then the voices, you know, the the right voices need to be invited and scheduled in and all of that. So I just want to draw attention to the fact that if we are going to be doing discernment, listening is a huge part of that, and the agenda needs to be set with plenty of space and time for listening. So um, once the agenda has been set, then the heart of the process is going to be listening. And if you look back to Acts 15, you see that there was an awful lot of back and forth listening. Peter got up, um, people who had been with the Gentiles when they were giving, when they were experiencing the Holy Spirit got up and spoke. Some Gentiles themselves spoke. Those who were good at um, interpreting the law spoke. Some of the Pharisees spoke about what the law actually said. And um, there was some silence. It says that the the group gathered listened with silence, which means that they were respectful. It means that the listening was respectful. It also mentions uh, dissension and debate. So there was time for going back and forth, which is also another um, aspect of listening. So I, we need to make sure that we leave enough time in the agenda for that kind of going back and forth until everyone feels like they've been heard. What I think is interesting about life in our culture is that we are not very good at listening. I mean, that's just the truth. Um, I just There's a little cartoon that I just read that uh, a couple is talking, and I think it's the woman who says to the man, um, do you really care or are you just a good listener? You know, like we can put on, <laughs> we can actually put on yeah. a look that we're listening, but not really be listening yeah. um, because we've been somehow trained to do it. So um, I wanted to mention just a few things that I think are really concrete about how we can listen. First of all, I think it can be really helpful for the person who is convening the meeting or someone who's been appointed to do this to recap the story of what's brought us here so that everybody in the room has all the same information. And there should be nothing hidden, you know, um, anything that whatever brought us here, like in the case of Acts 15, it was these experiences of the Gentiles speaking in tongues and showing evidence of the Holy Spirit. Um, Those stories needed to be recapped. And then if there have been any other conversations or any new developments, bring everybody up to speed about what brought us here, why we're discerning this, any conversations that have taken place, how far we've gotten with the process already. But somebody needs to recap um, with the narrative of what's taken place. And then um, we enter into some conversations, 
about what we're hearing now because the question has been framed we know what the question is we now have the story of why we're here and how far we've gotten and then we're inviting some more conversation so definitely uh, take full advantage of the settling in time so that we're speaking from soul so that we're not just pontificating and speaking off the top of our heads listen to the other people with your entire self watch their body language make eye contact watch your body language i mean i've been in groups where the arms are crossed yeah. and the legs are crossed and person's leaning back as other they're saying i just dare you to prove it to me you know yeah. give people yeah. good body language lean in towards them give them eye contact um don't interrupt them then that's a discipline isn't it it's really a discipline not to interrupt oh, people gosh, yeah um, pause between speakers so that people can actually absorb what the other person has said. And I think this points to a pattern that many of us have, and that is that while we may be looking at the person, we're not really listening. We're actually formulating our own you know, response. That's not listening. Sitting there formulating your own response is not listening. So if we are, if, if we know how to create a little space in between speakers, it means that we can be fully present when the person is talking. We know there's going to be a couple minutes for us to formulate a thought and, and then go on. Um, speak for yourself and express your own thoughts and opinions. Refer to your own experiences. Now, the only exception to that would be if you're invited into the meeting to actually represent a constituency. And so then that's what your job is. And you've hopefully done some listening and you can, you know, even in an even handed way, represent the people whom you are representing in that meeting and what their experiences are. Um, try not to challenge other people directly, but rather ask good questions and not leading questions and not questions that are meant to put somebody on edge but this wondering together, and I'm just curious, and mm -hmm. how can we be on the same side of the table and wonder about this together, you know? Or say, you know, I hear you, and, and, and I hear how difficult that is, and I'm wondering, you know, so use that kind of language. Um, pay attention to the whole group, not just the person who's speaking. Like, watch how other people are reacting and responding, and as you mentioned earlier, notice the person or the persons who haven't said a word and make sure they get drawn out, because oftentimes the introverts, they're not going to push themselves into a conversation. They're going to wait to be invited. That's just their personality type. But oftentimes, because they've listened longer than anyone else, what they have to say actually contains the real wisdom. So make sure you don't miss out on it. Um, if as a group you can have a general principle that everybody gets to speak once before people start to get a second chance to speak, especially in larger groups, that can be a way of ensuring that everyone gets heard. Um, and then... Hold your opinions and your convictions slightly, if you can. <clears throat> yes. Which is not easy for us. Most of us are pretty intense about our opinions. Um, are you willing to be influenced? Have you come into this meeting being willing to be influenced by others? Not, not giving up your own sense of self, but being willing to be influenced and holding your opinions somewhat lightly mm. and being willing to be influenced. All of those are ways that we can be good listeners and the tone of what happens in the group then is very positive and productive. Love it, um, everything you said, uh, and uh, I. So I was just in a conversation with someone, and we were talking about an issue, and I blurted out like, "Well, you know, the non-thinking people." Oh, that's really good. Do Steve. this, this, that's, or this. That's good, Steve. That's yeah. great. <laughs> so, my very good and wise friend mm -hmm. Mark waited a second. Mm -hmm. he, he let a beat pass. Mm -hmm. Now, and we're in we're in a group of six or seven people, yeah. you know, and we're not discerning anything. Yeah. We're, we're just talking. Yeah. 
But he goes, Steve, I, I, I wonder if there's a different way for you to say what you're trying to say mm-hmm. other than non-thinking mm-hmm. people. Because there are some people that I know that would take some real offense mm-hmm. to that. You know? <laughs> people who are still functioning out of the reptilian brain. <laughs> but like, yeah. there, and, and honestly, like, and, and then he goes, is it okay that I said that? Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, oh my gosh, yeah. it was thank you so mm-hmm. much. Because sometimes I say dumb mm-hmm. things I don't really mean. But because I because I say them, no yeah. one else knows I don't mm-hmm. really mean. So, um, well, it also sounds helpful. like you were had reached a point of frustration, yeah. too. Sometimes when, when our feelings build to a place of frustration, yeah. we don't say things in the optimal way. Yeah. The other thing I want to bring up is let's imagine I'm in a group that you're leading through discernment and my phone is out face up on mm-hmm. the table during a discernment meeting. Mm-hmm. What would you what would you say to me lovingly? Mm-hmm. I would lovingly wonder <laughs> if you are really being fully attentive in our meeting and if you yes. could put it away. Yes. Um, but I'm serious, right? Yeah. I mean that it, it has become normal mm-hmm. and totally accepted right. for your phone to be face yes. up on the table yeah. during a mm-hmm. meeting like that. Yes. And that does not help us at all no. to listen to one another. Yeah. Okay. Uh, beautiful. Okay, so I hear you talk quite a bit about the importance of noticing without judging mm-hmm. as you're yes. listening. And you and you you did reference this a mm-hmm. second ago, but um, as a spiritual community listens to one another and collects the data they need, can you can you say a little bit more about if someone says something mm-hmm. and then your hackles mm-hmm. get raised? Yeah. How do you listen without judging? Mm-hmm. How do you notice? Notice without mm-hmm. judging. Well, one of the things that's beautiful about that question is that it takes us back to, uh, to solitude and silence. Yes. And in our own personal practice, we are cultivating solitude and silence as a place of non-judging presence to what is. Like, it's being with God with what is, and God doesn't judge or condemn. And we begin to be changed by this experience of not being judged. And so I think our own personal practice of solitude and silence means that we have cultivated a place within where we can be with what is without judging. And so we can take what we're hearing into that place and receive it as a gift from that other person of their perspective, their understanding, their experience. And we don't have to judge it. We can welcome it and we can assume that all truth is God's truth and that their willingness to tell that truth is going to inform the process as a whole. And it's going to be a piece of what the whole picture eventually becomes. And that our job is not always to argue them down or to um, defend the faith. Yeah. Or whatever it is we think we're defending, but we can just let it be what it is. And what is noticing without judging your own thoughts mm-hmm. look like? Because sometimes something comes up and then you feel immediate, like I shouldn't, I shouldn't think feel that. that. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, again, that what we're experiencing with God is yeah. that that God knows us as we are and loves us. Um, I think we can look at that and maybe touch our desire to to mm-hmm. not act out of that to say mm-hmm. okay i see that that's a part of it but i don't have to i don't have to respond out of that so say mm-hmm. it's jealousy or say it's um a strong disagreement or a feeling of being threatened or territorialism or something we can notice it and say mm-hmm. that's there how i'm that feeling is. right now but i don't have to act out of that and that's the important choice yes. right there is that i don't have to act or speak out of that feeling i can choose something else to act mm. out of, mm. you know, like instead of reacting in a competitive way, I could choose to react in a supportive, encouraging way. Yeah. Wow. 
that's a really great choice. I'm glad that my awareness gives me that choice. If I wasn't aware, I could be caught in bondage to myself and not even know that I had another choice. But I have a choice and I'm going to make a different choice. Or at least I'm going to keep my mouth shut yeah. and not offer that particular cutting remark. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's the wisest, it, yeah. kindest mm-hmm. thing you can do. That's right. And that's transformation. Yeah. Transformation is happening in that moment because yeah. you've chosen your best self rather than your false self. Richard Rohr talks about feelings being like a wave mm-hmm. and they, they, they rise yeah. to, to their mm-hmm. top, but then they do ebb mm-hmm. um, or flow or whatever the, whatever the right word is there. And I, I like that you use, like when you notice a feeling is rising mm-hmm. up, I'm not, the to, the, that feeling is not the totality of who right. I am. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't have to lead yes. me into mm-hmm. my response. Right. So I'm going to ride out that way. That's why silence, mm-hmm. again, gives can, you, it gives you a chance to ride it out and not yep. react out of that place. So good. Um, so let's talk a little bit more about corporate silence. Mm-hmm. So we're listening to each other. People are saying lots of things, including plain data mm-hmm. and opinions and what they feel like they're hearing. What part mm-hmm. does co- practicing corporate silence play in this phase of discernment? Mm-hmm. And why does it really help? Yes. So after you've done all the listening, all right, and you've listened to the people, but you also feel like you feel like there's been a you know sort of a fully orbed um, perspective on it all that includes facts and information that includes all the voices that we felt were pertinent to this conversation. It includes um, touching back into our essential identity as a group and what God seems to be doing among us. We've maybe let Scripture speak. Maybe some people have brought brought some Scripture into it. Things like that. Maybe and hopefully people have talked about consolation and desolation a little bit as we've discussed earlier. Um, maybe we've even asked the question, "What is love? What's love got to do with it?" You know, <laughs> what would love say? You know, to this particular thing. Then. I believe the right move is to go into silence. So now you, you've listened to each other, mm-hmm. and you've listened to everything pertaining to the situation, and now we're going to move into silence for the purpose of listening to God. So there's the rhythm, listening to you, mm-hmm. now taking some time to listen to God. So once you've done all that talking and listening, there's several possibilities of what might be happening in the group right now. It could be that the group is feeling out of control with human striving. Emotions are high. People are repeating themselves. It doesn't seem like anything productive is going on. Um, Well, in that silence, then people get a chance to settle down a little bit and to hear what's really true. So if, if that's the reality, you call for silence, and silence gives people a chance to get in touch with what's really going on inside them and to settle down and to maybe come back with something truer. It could be that a solution is already starting to emerge mm-hmm. or a way ahead is already starting to emerge. Great, but don't move on it too fast. Still go into silence mm-hmm. because if even if a solution or a way ahead is starting to emerge, you want to send people into silence and let them, as the Quakers would say, place that, that thing close to the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, take it into your soul and see what God has to say about it. Because you want to make sure that group thinking and herd mentality isn't what's driving the group. So that stops the possibility of a herd mentality and it allows people to come back to a sense of what God is saying to them as an individual, which then they can bring back to the group. Um, it could be that the group is overwhelmed. And, and, oh, I remember times like this in board meetings when the answer is not there and we're exhausted and we're overwhelmed and, and, I, and I as the leader have no idea where to go mm-hmm. or what to do. And so, again, silence helps us to enter into that place where we do listening to God rather than continuing to bang yeah. away at it with our own human striving and human effort. Um, 
a third possibility is that the group has now moved from a place of discernment to a place of brainstorming and uh -huh. trying to fix and problem solve. And that's a very human tendency, but it's not what discernment is. And so you can let some of that stuff play itself out a little bit, but again, silence is a powerful way of stopping that sort of momentum yep. because yep. brainstorming and problem solving and fixing are, are typically don't net the kind of God-breathed answers that we're looking for. So, you know, depending on what kind of meeting you're in, like like you, you mentioned a meeting mm -hmm. that starts in the evening, yeah. you might only be able to give the group 10 to 20 minutes. If you're in your church building, maybe the sanctuary is open or, the, you know, people can find a corner and, you know, spend some time quietly in God's presence or go for a walk or something like that. Or maybe if you really are tight for time, all you can do is 10 minutes staying together mm -hmm. right there and you just take 10 minutes of silence together. If you're on retreat, like we typically are, then you'll get more more than that, and that usually happens for us after lunch in the afternoon, is we'll take a significant block of time in solitude so that people can get some rest because we're tired by then, and then hear what God's saying to them after mm -hmm. that. But silence is so powerful because one of, uh, at least a couple things will happen. First is people will settle down and they'll get in touch with what's really going on mm -hmm. inside them. So they mm -hmm. may be able to come back after the silence and say, wow, I just, I noticed that I was really riled up and this is why, and I'm sorry because I don't think my presence was very productive or helpful. I'd like to listen again. I stopped listening, you know, because I was so caught up in my own inner machinations. Could you say what you said again? Because I don't think I was listening. Mm -hmm. That's really beautiful, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, or consolation and desolation. Mm -hmm. You know, I can see how starting that Saturday night service is really strategic uh, at the same time. I noticed that I I feel s such desolation about that, such exhaustion, mm -hmm. that I just don't think I can show up for that. As much as I can see it, it makes sense in a lot of ways. Sense, there's this feeling of desolation. I just don't think I can. I don't think I can be a part of that. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. um, it's overwhelming to me. Um, or sometimes God actually speaks to people during the silence and they come back with a word and that's really? really exciting i remember one time in a board meeting where the issue was financial and what god gave to one of our people during the silence was another way of looking at the financial model hmm. god can do that apparently yeah. god yeah. cares about that sort of thing apparently yeah um or maybe god has given someone a scripture and i mm. love that i'm always on the edge of my seat when that happens when, mm. when somebody comes back and says wow while we were in the silence god gave me this scripture so can i just offer mm. it and they don't even choose to interpret it necessarily but they just offer it that is really exciting too those that's a moment i really trust mm -hmm. um is when god gives someone a scripture a loving someone you know we know people can misuse right. scripture but the people on our board would never do that we choose people at a level that they would never use scripture in a manipulative way, but how exciting when God gives someone a scripture for your group. Yeah, you know. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, uh, yeah. Silence is really, you know, we. So one of our practices in our church services, and you know, it's a church service, but after the the word, mm -hmm. there's a minute of silence, mm -hmm. and we count it out. It's not a fake minute. It's not yeah. ten seconds. It's, right. it's an actual minute. Right. It's not more than that. And. Gosh, we have heard so many stories mm -hmm. of people who really do hear from God in that yeah. minute. Mm -hmm. So I think there's power in just the placeholder right. of silence. Right. It it takes control away from you. Mm -hmm. It opens up the possibility for God to do something. Right. It slows the pace of the meeting down. Mm -hmm. And it so I, it's just like it it, it it is such an important piece that if you're rushed on time, that's going to yes, also be yeah. the thing that you can squeeze out. Mm -hmm. um, I'm in a spiritual direction group, four of us, 
And we always start with 10 minutes of silence, yes. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, we do some readings right. beforehand. Right. And then there's 10 minutes of silence. Mm-hmm. And gosh, sometimes it feels like a long mm-hmm. time. Yeah. But it really is helpful yeah. for just centering us. So, um, so how and when does a spiritual community know that a way forward has presented itself? Mm-hmm. And if it has, what do they do next? Well, oftentimes out of the silence, a way forward will begin to appear. Um, and it could be that there's one way forward, or it could be that there's two or three ways forward. And so it's important to allow those to be presented to the group and to get as much specificity around them as you can to allow someone to really describe what they're seeing and hearing. Or sometimes each person will have a piece of it. Yeah. Like each per- somebody will have heard this thing and then somebody will have heard something else and something starts to come together as being a way forward. Um the Acts 15 story is a wonderful and inspiring story because there started to be a sense of unity, peace, and joy that started to sweep through as James stated what he thought the Spirit was doing. Mm-hmm. So James in that story is the one who stands up mm-hmm. and starts to give the sense of the meeting. This is what I think God is doing. And he's really clear about it. Um, and it says then that there was this shared sense of consolation that really sweeps through the group, mm-hmm. joy, unity, and peace. Um, I think that's really exciting that consolation and desolation are in the Acts 15 story, not called that, but the descriptors of it are right there yeah. and, and it's clear. So in this case, James nailed it the first time out. You know, he actually names it and people can all affirm it. But sometimes there's a way forward that um, a couple people have seen. You can actually then do what the Quakers would call bettering them up, hmm. um, where a couple of ideas have come up. You put them on the newsprint or whatever, and then you try to combine the best of both into one mm. idea, so they mm. call that bettering it up. Um, if there are any kind of glaring problems or whatever, then you can really work with it. And, mm-hmm. and at this point, by putting it up on the newsprint and combining things, everybody's now on the same side of the table working on it yeah. together, looking yeah. at that objective thing out there and working on it together to make it the best it can be. And the feelings of consolation are something to really pay attention to at this mm-hmm, point. Mm-hmm. You know, that there's starting to be a feeling of unity and peace and movement forward that people can affirm. Yeah. So what happens if a way forward doesn't seem to present mm-hmm. itself? What do you what is it what does a community do? I think you have to stay in the waiting mode if you really mm-hmm. are a community that's trying to function at the promptings of the Holy Spirit. That if there's not a way, you you don't move, you know you don't move. Yeah. Just like the children of Israel, you know the children of Israel. That's that their whole story is a story of discernment. Um, when the pillar and the cloud moved, they moved. When the pillar and the cloud stayed, they stayed. It's a it's an incredible mm-hmm. metaphor of a discerning journey in community. And I think that's th- then we are put into a place of waiting. Yeah. And the scriptures say over and over again, it is good to wait upon the Lord. So if a way forward has been made and the newsprint is up and you've bettered it up mm-hmm. and you kind you, you mm-hmm. everyone looks around mm-hmm. and says it feels good to the spirit and to us yes. mm-hmm. and we're doing this, then what? Like yes. where where does it go then? Well, um, at that point, you know, someone should like James should clearly state what we feel God's doing in the meeting mm. and even put it on the newsprint mm-hmm. or whatever, just so it's really really clear. And then you go around the room and you ask people whether or not they can affirm that this is the way that God is leading us into. Um, and and again, you don't circumvent this process. You let everybody speak because this is for the purpose of 
not only hearing from everyone and not missing anything, but it's also very unifying because then no one can say later on, well, I don't know if you remember, but I didn't, I didn't weigh in on that one because I really couldn't see it and I couldn't have supported it. No, that never happens now because you go around the group and everyone has to speak. Um, and then whatever you do, you do it together and everyone's doing it together and affirming it. So this practice, you don't want to, I always make sure, I always make sure everybody's spoken at this point. Um, and so, you know, you put it up out there as clearly as you can and you say, um, do we agree that this is how God is leading us? Does this seem to be the way, does this seem to be the mind of Christ for us? So the question is always, well, what happens if everyone doesn't agree? Um, so let's talk about agreement. There are levels of agreement, and I think this is beautiful. There are levels of agreement that can actually carry us and move us towards unity. The first, and this is what they experienced in in Acts 15, is that everyone unequivocally agrees that this is the way God's leading us. And if that happens, thanks be to God and go. Um, That is what happened in Acts 15. Um, Someone else might say, I agree, but I do have some reservations. However, I've expressed my reservations in this group, and I feel like I've been heard. I feel like people have um, really interacted respectfully with my reservations. And because of that, I think I can go forward in peace. I feel like we've dealt with with um, my reservations, and we should still go forward. Someone else might say, I don't agree, but I feel comfortable deferring to those who have particular wisdom on this. So in the Acts 15 story, it might have been Peter. You know, Peter had particular wisdom on this, or James had particular wisdom. Um, or those who are most affected. That that's an interesting place too. Um, yeah, yeah. I can defer to those who are most affected by this. Yeah, mm, that would be a powerful, vulnerable that's a, move. That is powerful and vulnerable. Yep, and so respectful. Yes. Of other human beings. Yes. You know, um, and it could be even those who have to carry it out. Like for me, you know, as a senior leader, if my administrative folks are saying, "We just can't do that." Um, those who will be affected by it, then maybe the loving thing for me is to defer to them. Yeah. Not because I don't still see the vision, but because I've decided to be loving mm-hmm. by by being deferential to those yeah. people. Yeah. Um, or I might defer to those who have greater certainty than I do. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you're the point leader. I what? Know. No one would I have know, greater wisdom. Than me. <laughs> That's right. No, that rarely happens to me. <laughs> yeah, of course, of course. I of usually course. have great certainty. Yeah. Um, so that's another level of agreement. And you can see that that kind of deference is very unifying to the mm-hmm. group. You're not giving in or caving. Because yeah. we're not talking about caving. If you nope. have real reservations and that's the next, that's the final yeah. category, then you need to say so. Yeah. So the final category is, no, I don't agree and I cannot go forward. In order for me to agree, we'll need to go back to the drawing board and wait and pray. Mm. And when you have surrounded yourself or God has brought together a group of people who are deeply spiritual and who you've come to respect their walk with God, their solitude, their discernment, I don't even think you'd want to move forward without them being with you in it. I feel like I would be placing myself in great danger at this point by moving past any one of the board, my board members who oh, yeah. has serious reservations. I would want to stop. I, I don't want to put myself in that mm-hmm. kind of danger or the Transforming Center in that kind of danger. So um, then it's it might be discouraging, but then you start again, mm-hmm. and you go back through the process again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Patience again. Yeah. So all of those responses are very respectful to the group and are working towards a, a kind of unity within the group, a unity of spirit. Even though you don't have unity necessarily in all the jots and tittles, that th- those responses represent mm-hmm. unity of spirit, even though you're, you might not have unity in all the details. And I think that... 
I think that's what God cares about. I think that's what God wants most for us, almost more than any decision that we might make, is that God, Jesus, longs for us Mm. to be one Mm -hmm. as we move forward. And have you found that as a team moves through the process Mm -hmm. and it's found a way forward, and then you feel the unity, Mm -hmm. that that compounds trust on itself? So the next time you gather together, you have some experience doing this. You've maybe even had mm-hmm. some conflict transformation, mm-hmm. but you know how to, you like, you don't know how to do this, but you, you have some experience together. Right, right. And what happens is, at least this is what I've experienced over the last 15 years of working in this way, is that, number one, I'm never afraid mm. going into a board meeting because this is what we do and yeah. I have so much trust and confidence in this. And, you know, a lot of people go into board meetings oh. afraid and nervous and guarded and all that. I, I never do. I always mm-hmm. look forward to the way that we're together. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondly, it again, it, it doesn't feel so weighty. Yeah. When I know I'm entering into discernment with our leadership community, I'm quite relieved because I know it doesn't all re- reside with me. The weight and the responsibility doesn't mm-hmm. res- reside with me. And that, that, is, a, that is a great um, burden to mm-hmm. be relieved of mm-hmm. as a leader. I still take my role in it very seriously, but I don't feel like I carry the whole burden. Yeah. Well, Ruth, uh, last question. Mm-hmm. What are some final thoughts that you'd like to share for individuals and spiritual communities who would like to begin the journey of pursuing God's will together? Well, um, I think that when we enter into corporate leadership discernment and commit ourselves to it, that is when leadership gets fun. Yeah. You know, many people avoid getting into getting on the elder board. I mean, I know churches and places where being invited to be on the elder board is just an awful Prison sentence. Yes. Yeah, and they can't wait to get off. Yeah. You know, it's usually not that way when a group is convening itself for discernment because it's usually very very life-giving mm-hmm. and full of freedom and um, people still feel the weight of their responsibility, but they're trusting God for way more than they're trusting themselves. So that's one thing I would say is that you might even find that if you establish your leadership group as a community for discernment, that you might have people actually wanting yeah. to serve on the board because they know it's going to be a life-giving, life-transforming mm. experience. So uh, it's a very exciting possibility. Of course, once we've discerned the will of God, we're not done. Right. Right? Once we've discerned the will of God, the only thing left is to just do it. Do it. Right? To get out there and do what God has invited you to do. And usually, one of the hallmarks of God's guidance and God's will as it's unfolding is it does take us out to some place of risk, Mm -hmm. some place of vulnerability, some way in which we know either we're not up to the task by ourselves or God's going to have to really meet us with the resources for this or... Um, it's going to be risky in some other way. And so there could be a moment of hesitancy. And when I think about hesitancy, I think about the time in the Israelite journey when it was time to cross the Jordan River. And the leaders, it was the leader's job, it was the priest's job to put their feet Mm -hmm. into the river while the river was still rushing. They were to take the step of faith in a very public way. Yeah. And I think some of us are willing to take a step of faith when we keep it private. If that doesn't work out, nobody will know about yeah, it. Yeah, but, yeah, you yeah. know, when you're a leader, it's going to probably be a little bit more public than that. Mm. And so we need to go ahead and do the will of God as it's been revealed to us and trust that he who has called us will be faithful and he will do it. So let's always keep that kind of humility in what we're doing as well, that um, even though we've discerned it, usually it's going to be something that God's going to still have to do in order for it to come forth. And so then we're still in a place of a great deal of trust. 
yeah. that what God has called us to do, God will indeed faithfully bring about wow. in God's time and in God's way. So that's a whole other exciting piece ah. of the journey is to get out there and do the will of God, right? It's beautiful. Well, Ruth, this has been such a rich season. Mm -hmm. There's so much here. Uh, and of course, uh, on the show notes throughout the whole uh, season, the links to your book, Pursuing God's Will Together. I have actually walked through this book with leadership teams before, and it's very accessible. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's, it's powerful for leadership teams to go through together. So thank you so much. You're welcome. You know, can I say one other thing? Yeah, of and course. that is um, to leaders out there who might be feeling a bit overwhelmed. Of course. You know, th th what we've talked about, it's a lot. It's a yeah. lot to think about doing. I would suggest at the end of this podcast, you pick out one thing that you think mm. you can do right now. Do something before you do everything. You don't have to do this whole thing. God is so faithful that God will come into any bit of space we create for him. So if you say, look, I cannot do that whole thing, but I think we could introduce a little bit of silence you know, into our times together. Yeah. That's all I feel like I can manage. That's what I'm going to do. Um, I can't think about all the rest of the stuff, but I do know that our leaders need to work on their spiritual practices. So we're just going to start going through sacred rhythms. That's mm -hmm. all I know to do right now. Wow, God will come into that space, yeah. and God will come in and do more than you could ever ask or imagine. So don't try to do everything. Don't try to change everything and everyone all at once. Pick something to do before you do everything, and trust that God will use that opening to lead you into the next and the next and the next. Do you have a prayer to end this I episode do, with? I do. I do. And this is a prayer for all of us who mm. just long to do the will of God in and through God's um, church. Oh God, our wisdom, who eternally makes all things new, encouraged by your Holy Spirit, those of us who seek to discern your will, that we may labor together for the building up of your world and your church. Counsel us when to act and when to wait. Turn our hearts always towards those in greatest need and away from our own preoccupations and fears. Help us never to forget that love and mercy are your greatest gifts, given us all to offer one another as we see them in Jesus Christ, who alone is our joy, our way, our truth, and our life. Amen. Thanks so much for listening today. We know there are thousands of podcasts to choose from, so we really appreciate you taking the time to listen to Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership podcast. In July, the Transforming Center will launch their 15th Transforming Community. If God has stirred up something in you about your own leadership experience, Maybe God is inviting you to begin a transforming leadership journey of your own. I joined Transforming Community number 6 way back in 2011, and it was such an important part of my spiritual journey. The Transforming Community experience is designed to better integrate your faith and your leadership. The two-year experience of spiritual formation is designed for pastors, leaders, and influencers. It is grounded in scripture animated by a Trinitarian approach to transformation in community, and it's informed by the richness and diversity of our Christian heritage. Also, if you've enjoyed the podcast, we would love to hear from you. Please leave a comment wherever you listen to the podcast and visit transformingcenter.org to learn more about how to apply for the next Transforming Community.